Welcome, everybody. Welcome, jaywalkers. Welcome, new listeners. If you've arrived to this location, then you are once again in violation of policy. That's right. You are jaywalking on down Jubilee Street, a music podcast presented by me, your co-host, Jake Curtis, as well as... Ian McCurtis. What up? What up? Thought I'd try out a new intro. This week, Ian, you want to tell the listeners what we're listening to? Uh, the Flaming Lips, Nick Cave covers album with Nell Smith called Where the Viaduct Is. As, as Nell's album on Spotify, but then when you open it, at least on the desktop version that I use, it shows Nell Smith and the Flaming Lips. Kind of feel like this was a little bit of a sleeper. I When I was doing research last night and a little bit the night before, and even back when uh, their girl and Amber cover dropped, I was kind of like, I feel like people should be talking about this more. Like This is a Nick Cave cover album with a 14-year-old kid singing and doing all the vocals with the Flaming Lips as their backing band. And there's a pretty cool little backstory we'll mention. But I don't know. Did you notice that? I feel like there's not enough buzz about this. There's people talking about it. Let's slow down a little bit here. Uh, All right. If anyone doesn't know, which I would find... I mean, you never know. The Flaming Lips are like a psychedelic rock band from Oklahoma City. Formed in 1983. They, I think they have a similar career path as to Nick Cave. Like, as popular as you can be without, like, solely existing in the mainstream. They don't really have, like, a radio hit. Maybe Do You Realize. But they've just managed to grow in popularity year after year. Same as Nick Cave. Without ever having to, like, cater directly to the mainstream. They made this album with... Nell Smith, who was a, or is, I don't know why I said was, a 14-year-old girl from Calgary, Canada, I believe, who apparently would dress in a parrot costume at the shows, and Wayne Coyne noticed her, sang a David Bowie song to her, he got in touch with her family, they became friends, and here you have this Nick Cave cover album. Now, Jake, to start off, I I was thinking about this episode, and I've known you for 18 years. Throughout those 18 years, we've talked about music nonstop, and I have no idea how you feel about the Flaming Lips, so what what do you think about them? I I really have no idea if Uh, you like them or not. I like the Flaming Lips. I think that... uh I'd never thought about it until you said it just a second ago, but they do exist in a similar space to Nick Cave where I feel like they have an, like an incredibly huge following across the world. They're pretty influential to like festival music. I think now, like I think them and like animal collective kind of exist in a similar space. 
where Animal Collective, I think, kind of transcended into being something else because they, they're they a little bit more artsy, I think. I think Flaming Lips inhabits like a, I don't know, they they inhabit the space they inhabit. They're very unique. They they don't really compete with anyone. But I I do think that of those bands as contemporaries because the Flaming Lips they have like noisy records like Embryonic. They have you know the Soft Bulletin soundtrack is really famous. I haven't listened to the entire thing, but they have that one song on there that is so beautiful that they performed live. I don't remember if it's the London Symphony Orchestra, but it's some live or, or, or Colorado's orchestra. I can't remember, so listeners will have to write in and yell at me. But uh, it's that song where it's like... And then you have the choir come in. The live choir's like... So like they've even got a little bit of that Radiohead ethereal quality. So... I honestly, I like the Flaming Lips, and whenever I hear them, I enjoy the music. They're not one of my favorite bands, but I'm also not going to lie, like, when I worked at The Great Escape, like, I put on Yoshimi Battles the Pink Robots, like, probably, like, once or twice a week, along with Gorillaz, uh, Demon Days, and um, Pavement. So, I mean, I, I, I love the Flaming Lips, like... I'm not going to put them on. I don't think they're going to make like my top 20 bands of all time or something, but they're definitely really good. What about you? Well, as you know, Jake, I have a pretty deep aversion to hippie shit. Oh, yeah. I don't like hippie culture. I don't like the aesthetic. I don't like the music. (laughs) I have something to say about that when you're done. It's funny. And, uh... So I never really gave the Flaming Lips a chance. I think that's not entirely fair because I think they might exist in that hippie festival scene, but I don't know if I would necessarily call them a hippie band. They're definitely psychedelic, which I also don't really care for. But no, the Flaming Mm -hmm. Lips are good. Like when I've heard them, I like it. I I listened to Soft Bulletin yesterday, actually. It's not a soundtrack, is it? It's just an album, right? Uh, No, it's a soundtrack that they wrote for that movie. I'm I'm pretty sure. Oh, I never heard but of I'll, I didn't know it. Was I'll check. Um, but anyway, yeah, I listened to that yesterday, and I was like, you know, this is pretty cool. I mean, it's it's so not my world, but I like that they aren't, like, I don't think they're religious at all. I, I like that they don't do, like, the bullshit hippie spiritual, like, I don't know. I just don't like any of that, like, LSD spiritual trip. I hate all that. Oh, you're right. I don't know why I thought it was a movie. I was always... I think it's because of the cover, because the cover looks like it's very it cinematic. would be like a it's movie. A good cover. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think it's from a. Uh, I can't escape that in my head. Um, go I ahead. I think it's from a uh, a Time magazine uh, piece on LSD. <laughs> that would be pretty fitting for them. Which is also, I hate that like LSD drug culture. But no, yeah, the fine well, lips are fine. I'm not really. I'm probably not going to listen to them very often, but they're fine. My, like, seeing the Flaming Lips live story is really funny, so... I have seen them live. It's cool. I... They do the hamster ball thing. Did you see that? Where he comes out in the crowd and, like, a hamster? Uh, They're showboats. They put on a great performance. Um, I don't really remember any of the music. I just remember all the costumes and pomp and circumstance, kind of... Not pomp and circumstance, but, like, 
it's a party. It's they're 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 very specific. Like their their festival stuff is like like they have a particular like vibe they go for. And I remember I'd also it was one of the first times I'd ever taken an edible, and I hated it. I hate edibles still. Like I, if I were gonna smoke weed, like that's like the worst way to do it unless you're just gonna be home all day because it makes you feel like you're gonna like you have to poop, but also makes you really hungry. And it also it's it's just like. It's just like taking a gut shot of weed, so you get all the paranoia and anxiety, but you also get the like tiredness and calmness, and so you just get this like it's just like drinking like a way too strong cup of coffee, so you feel like kind of out of control. So I was at this like Flaming Lips concert. I was with people that I wasn't like I didn't really know that well. They were friends of my girlfriend at the time, and they were they're really great people. But I just when you're when you get that high, you like freak out and you want to be around people that you can. You know, I wanted to be around like you, like you, or you know, our friend Chad, or any, anybody else. You know, and there was also this guy standing right by me who was tripping on something more intense, and he kept like running into me, and I was so I was like pissed off too because because he's like putting his full body weight into me, and he has no idea. So that's my experience of the Flaming Lips, <laughs> like. Not incredibly positive, like live experience, but taking all of the like goofy story out of my end, like they're great, they're good life. They're they're not a bad live band. Yeah, um, and and they as someone who they've, doesn't, they've, you know, I don't I don't do drugs. As some as being that way, the idea of staying in a field with thousands of people who are tripping, not very fun for me. You know, I I've been to a, my handful of concerts where I did a, like I did acid and walked around and acted like a fool and it's fun and your body feels really good but all those drugs like there's always a come down it always sucks and you can't sleep you don't like you don't really want to eat you get all sweaty and feel like you're gonna shit yourself you can't really shit um drugs fun fun time but not anything i need now here's my thing on uh can i can i have a little ian hot take for a minute here we're going to Ian's hot take. Ian, uh, give this, us this that take. Festival hippie take us culture. Take a ride. I think the thing I hate the most about it is, is that, you know, you listen to music and you take acid and you convince yourself that you're like part of this counterculture movement when really you're just doing dumb kid shit and you're taking drugs. If you actually want to be part of a counterculture and like change things, maybe learn about like policies and like laws and... Mm-hmm. Learn about the society you live in. Don't like take acid and listen to fish and say you're changing the world. I think you're pigeonholing a, like a lot of good people into a group of people that mostly suck there. Because I think there Maybe are people am, who I, like but... fish who are like who do know about policy. But I know what you're saying. Like, have you ever seen? Okay, so there's this type of hat that those kinds of those kind of like left leftist hippies wear. And it's like, it's a fedora. It's basically a fedora. And I don't know what it is, but those kind of like woke hippie dudes like that, that are tapped into like, you know, somewhat to current events. Whenever I see people like wearing those types of hats, I always am judgmental towards them. And it's not like a mean thing. It's not like a, it's not like I don't, it's not like I dislike them. It's like, I'm worried that you might say something that is just going to be one of those like, why can't we just all get along things that like, 
it's basically the kind of sentiment that's like, just don't pay attention to racism. Like, just you know, what's what was the thing they said in the sixties and seventies? Like, drop at, drop in, tune out, or something. Drop out, tune out. I did something like that. Yeah, I think I just wouldn't have I, liked the sixties because I don't mm-hmm. like. On the other end of hippie culture, you had the beatnik culture, which I also don't yeah. like. I just don't think. Yeah. The '60s culture is for me either way, but again, you know, there's, this isn't fair to the Flaming Lips because I think they are a lot weirder, and yeah. there's more substance to them. So I don't mean to. I'm sure we'll have a lot of new listeners right now who are checking this out because they like the Flaming Lips. I'm not necessarily. That's why I didn't give them a chance for a long time because I thought they were something they aren't. Yeah, no, I, and I think a lot of the bands that get grouped in with that hippie scene, like. On are are unfairly like I, I'm I, I admit admittedly like there's like bands like King Gizzard and the Wizard Lizard or whatever they're called is that is that it yeah King Gizzard Wizard Lizard like a lot of people love their music but I feel like when I see it because of the artwork because of the like general vibe I kind of judge it and I'm like ah, I don't really know if this is for me and I think the Flaming Lips like they kind of transcend that because they have that like acid psych rock thing that you I think you personally do like stuff like that I think you're just very particular with like the feeling that that it evokes because like you like you know you you have like I think that that song psycho vision great song is really not that dissimilar to the kind of stuff that like these like Devander Benhard and you're talking about suicidal tendencies yeah definitely like, I don't know. I think the first thing that I think song, of is Gorilla Toss, but I feel like I would like them more if they didn't have all the drug imagery. See, see, I, I just I think that it's it's less about that stuff, and it's more so like you have like I I feel like the music that I gravitate towards has this particular feeling to it, and it's less so about like the scene around it. But I do feel like. There's a lot of stuff where there's like outstanding circumstances. Like I love JPEG Mafia, but I'm I would be concerned about going to one of his shows because I worry about the kind of crowds that that music would draw. Like just a bunch of like young, like you know, thirteen or fourteen year olds, like who want to like jump around and hit each other. But I don't know if that's accurate. I'm just going off of like the live footage. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I have I have bands. I mean, I saw Hundred Gex a I mean, couple weeks ago, and I had a very I felt very out of place. And like going to hardcore shows in Louisville, like, and people started like, like as soon as I, like somebody punched me or my glasses got knocked off my face, I'd be like, this isn't for me. Fuck this. Yeah. <laughs> Cause like, I just, you know, I like abrasiveness and I like, you know, the sort of trippiness of these bands. But anywho, I could talk about that stuff forever. Like let's get to where the viaduct looms. So on, on a macro level, how, what, what do you think about this? Overall thoughts. I want you to go first because I want to hear what you have to say first because I think it'll inform how I'm going to talk about this. Well, I really loved it. I So there's kind of like two ways to think about it, at least in how I was listening to it. There's the Nell Smith of it all, and then there's Flaming Lips. I really love how the Flaming Lips arranged these songs. They weren't... Sequencing's good. Just like standard covers they made them sound like flaming lip songs i listened to it with headphones last night and i loved it even more that like iconic mm-hmm. uh 
Flaming Lips bass tone that I do really like. That's probably my favorite thing about them. It doesn't sound mm-hmm. like anybody else. On O oh Children, they do that kind of Flaming Loves Flaming Lips drum freak out. They do on like all their albums, like it's a certain type of drum thing. They just made mm. it feel like them, and I thought it was so cool, like how they made those songs work for what they do. Nell Smith, mm. uh, I don't know if I really like her voice, but like it, it drew me in. Like I, I kept listening to it more than I needed to to prepare for this podcast. Like, mm-hmm. I, I don't think I like. I don't know how I feel about her voice. I don't think I like it that much, but I kept wanting to listen to it. She's also like was probably thirteen when she recorded it, so I'm sure her voice will get better. We'll we'll talk about it more in detail, but those are my overall thoughts. So a couple of things before I go into my response to that. So she had never heard of Nick Cave, and the Flaming Lips had already, I think, been planning to do a Nick Cave covers record, and they met this girl randomly at a concert. Wayne Coyne does this Wayne Coyne kind of shit. And he just like, he's just like, there's something cool about this girl. Oh, she sings. Cool. All right. Well, I've got a band. I want to do something out of the ordinary. Let's like give this girl. It's like, I'm not working. It's like the flaming lips. It's like the, it's like the flaming lips kind of took on like an American idol type of role where it's like, (laughs) let's give somebody an opportunity to shine that like, let's, let's use our platform to help them. And I think, so it was Miley Cyrus really, first, and now her. Now who's going to be next? Well, I mean, my not to be... I feel like I'm in an argumentative mindset right now, but Miley Cyrus was already famous by the time she worked with Wayne Coyne. So oh, was she? I, yeah, like I, I'm pretty I certain about that because she she was she had grown out of Hannah Montana and I think was like starting to experiment. What's Hannah Montana? Hannah Montana is the show. Oh, she was on a show? Are you fucking with me? You know, I'm. You must know all this. Yeah, she was extremely you famous. <laughs> Fucking. All right, I'm leaving the show. Goodbye. All right, so I'll do the rest of this by myself. Jake's walking away. <laughs> uh, yeah. So everybody, you, you get the picture, and um, Nell is like a more interesting case. So, did you see the red hand files where Nick listened to her version of "Girl in Amber"? Did you read that? Yes. So he was super complimentary towards her, and did you think it was like um, a backhanded compliment? I don't know. I mean, I think when you say that she vacated a song, it's kind of a weird. I thought it was like a, pretentious like way of him of like saying something, but but I don't know. I think it was a. I think it was his very like him way of being complimentary, where it's like I don't really want people to cover my songs, but he if you're going like, to do it, I guess do it like this. It felt to me like. You did a really great job. You sound like you put no emotion into it. Yeah. And I mean, I think it's his way of saying like she embodied the song in the way that he intended it to be embodied. Right. But Girl and Amber, like the Nick Cave version is way more sad. Yeah. Yeah. And let's not beat around the fucking Nick Cave bush like. He's he's fucking pretentious. He's always been that way, you know. So he's gonna say something in kind of a pretentious way. And if anything, like Nell's not gonna be impacted by something like that because she barely had like until she really started living inside the songs for this record. Like 
she didn't know who the fuck he was. You know, she was concerned with Wayne Coyne and getting to work with him. So I think that's another cool aspect where it's like, what an interesting way to introduce an artist to the world by making them cover another brilliant artist's music. So in my response to Very what you cool. said, you said you, you loved it. For the first three songs, I hated this. Now, this is why I wanted you to go first. I get that. Because I've had, I, I don't know if I talked about this on past episodes. I've been going through a weird like mental thing recently. I'm trying not to like blame all of my like reactions on it, but I do think it impacts how I uh, like how I view things. I didn't really want to like, I shouldn't say this, but I didn't even really want to record today, but I really truly believe in persistence and practice and getting better even on days where you don't feel like doing it. So I was like, fuck it. I'm going to do, I'm going to prepare for this. I'm going to listen to this. So I put this on, I listened to it in the car, turned the speakers up so I could try to hear all the nuances while I'm driving around. The, my Prius has pretty good speakers. And Girl and Amber, I kind of was like, I was about to just like turn it off and just be like, I'll just binge this while I'm like working on something else later. Like Weeping Song comes on. I'm like, okay, cool. Like I like the production. I like how they're presenting it. Like I guess they're doing like the songs are very um, loyal to the originals. I think like you can tell these are all covers of those songs, but Here's my impression. I think by the end of it, I really enjoyed. I I I, I did like a like a, I did like a complete turnaround by the time I got to. Oh, children, and I was like, okay, I kind of like this, and then That's where it starts to really sound like flame lips, and then kindness of strangers. Red right hand, first time I've ever heard that song in any iteration, so I enjoyed it, and then the ship song, which is like. Already an amazing song. You couldn't go wrong. I really enjoyed that. And then We Know Who You Are, I think, was a like fantastic song to end on. And we haven't done that song on the podcast, to my knowledge, so that was also my first time hearing that one. Just a but, quick plug uh, to any Flaming Lips fans that are maybe Nick Cave fans now. I think we've done five of these songs on prior episodes. So if you want to know more about those songs, I uh, believe the ship song... Oh, children, into my arms, weeping song, girl in amber. Mm-hmm. You can just scroll up a little bit and find those. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We um, we have at this point a lot of episodes of the show. So if you're digging this, then there's a lot more where this came from, and it's free. Well, besides your Spotify membership, if you're using Spotify or Apple Music, um, but if you got an iPhone, it's free. Uh, and. I did a 180 and I was like, I'm really excited to hear what Ian has to say about this because my impression of this is that I wasn't impressed by anything other than that. I thought, wow, Nell has a bright future ahead of her. I don't think that her voice is particularly special, but I think that it's, it's like really cool. Like all the vocal modulation. I think all her deliveries were very unique. See, that's the thing is the vocal modulation. I felt like they, so I know they recorded it remotely during COVID. And mm-hmm. so I'm guessing like the Flaming Lips, probably mostly Wayne Coyne kind of guided the recording process. The vocal modulation, it sounded like they were throwing the same effects that they'd throw on Wayne's voice for Flaming Lips. And I didn't, Absolutely. Think, it, I didn't think it suited her voice. I thought it made her voice sound worse. 
like her voice sounds nothing like his and it sounded like they were throwing the effects on her voice that work on his voice i hope this is successful because i think that those choices were like i think it would have been cooler to let her voice speak for itself and not fill up the space and i think they maybe they had to because she's working on confidence because I feel like these songs feel very like they feel as if that she's worked very hard on them, but they also don't feel confident in some ways. So I think she's like figuring out how to do things you can. And I think that's the compelling part of this is I'm like, wow, this is really fun to hear her like in real time, like figuring out these songs. And then I think you can even hear in there if you're looking for it, that she's learning while she's working on all of this. Like she's learning so much. I do want to throw her one big compliment, and that is, I think No More Shall We Part is amazing. I think she sounds great. And oh, yeah, yeah, That song, you know, I'm sure you noticed, she has this, like, really high range she likes to stay in. Very high-pitched. Yeah. On that song, mm-hmm. she lowered it in octave or so. And that song is, like, really hard to sing. It's got some really weird melodies where it descends and descends. And I thought she nailed it and sounded great. I, I think it, a lot of it was confidence, like you said, probably. The songs, a lot of her singing doesn't sound very emotional. It sounds kind of apathetic. But I think, look, when I was 13, I wouldn't have been able to do this. So I couldn't do it now. So, you know, I don't want to sound like I'm dogging on her too much. I, I think she's going to be great, like... There's a lot of talent there, obviously. And that sort of brings me to my last point about it is it's like, again, this is going to sound negative. I do not want to be the guy that's like putting down a record that is, you know, like, you know, a bunch of grown adults with a child essentially like learning her instrument, her voice, her style. But I got the impression this this sounded very much like it was made in GarageBand with GarageBand instruments. It felt sparse. It felt very empty. Now, I did listen to some of this with headphones, so I did still feel that way after the headphones. But I guess the nicest way that I can put this, and I don't mind if I have to be the bad guy at this point, I'll be the bad guy. The nicest way I can put this is I feel as though this is a record of growth. I think this record was a huge risk to take for uh, the Flaming Lips. And I think that's what makes it compelling because even with all... I feel like they don't have anything to lose at this point. They're like cemented as being Flaming Lips. I mean, I think that... You you still are putting you're still co-signing with someone who no one knows and you are are like you're also sw- like doing a cover album with them like it's really weird and all of the stuff that I think is strange that they did on this is all of the stuff that makes it incredibly interesting and I don't necessarily know how much I'll revisit this but I think that this is a fantastic... I'm glad this exists because we don't have... like I think maybe maybe sometime in the next couple of years we're going to get like a Nick Cave cover like compilation record, but yeah, there's not a whole... Out, so I'm sure there'll be a Nick Cave one soon. 
there's not a whole lot of them. So I think this is really exciting for fans who've heard these songs over and over again. And now they get to hear them reimagined by a kid, no less. Like that's, there's such a staggering difference in how these feel when it's not like, you know, cracked out Nick Cave or Jubilee Nick Cave or, you know, it's, he's, it's a different thing. And I think that's, what's interesting. That's, what's cool about it. That's why it's worth listening to and supporting because I think this girl's going to be big. I think she's got a bright career ahead of her. And I think that like all of these songs show that there's a lot of potential. I just think that a lot of it could have been better. And I think maybe the flaming lips are probably the the missing piece here. I feel like they kind of dialed it in sometimes. I think they kind of like they held back so that she could be in the forefront, but Sometimes it doesn't really work. It didn't really work for me. That's all I'm gonna say. Sometimes it didn't really work for me. Most of the time it did. Sometimes it didn't. Well, I think this was probably mostly a fun project, which we should acknowledge. Yeah. Like I don't know how much they even wanted people to think about it that deeply. Uh, did you have a favorite on here? Uh, well, in hindsight. I, I really liked her rendition of Weeping Song after hearing it again. Um, I really liked Oh Children. and But I'd probably say We Know Who You Are was my favorite. I think that was my favorite. I think mine was Oh Children just because it sounded the most flaming lips. Yeah, uh, it, it sounded that one sounded really good. Courtney had it, or I was talking to Courtney, and we were like, how cool would it be if after this, the Flaming Lips and the Bad Seeds went on like a co-headlining tour and like... Oh, it'd be great. Let's say the Flaming Lips play first and then they close their set doing some of these songs with Nell Smith and Nick Cave and then the Bad Seeds come out and like, you know, they like ease into doing the switching sets using Nell Smith in the middle. It'd be really cool. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And maybe it'll happen. I could see... I mean, that'd be a... Those are two bands that like can kind of play stadiums on their own, but together they could really it could really be a huge tour. Yeah. Uh, what about a least favorite song? I really liked "Into My Arms," um, which is in Nick Cave's version. Isn't one of my favorite Nick Cave songs. It is a great song, but it's not one of my faves. Uh, pr- honestly, probably "Girl in Amber" or "Red Right Hand." Mine was "Red Right Hand" because they. They did something that annoys me a lot, which is when you get a little too cute with having the music follow the lyrics. So there's like, when he says humming wires, you hear like electricity noises. And then she says storm and you hear a lightning bolt. And then she says cracks and you hear this like crackling noise. Like it happens over and over in that song. And... You got to use that shit. Oh, another part of the record, there's a song and she keeps saying birds and there's birds chirping when she said birds. I think if you do that, you do like one time on the record. It just gets, Uh to me, it gets annoying. It's like, okay, I see what you're doing. It's like, I don't know, just like a little music pet peeve of mine. And it's like every 10 seconds in Red Right Hand. No, you're right about that. There's another song, maybe it's that one, where there's all these sirens going off. Do you remember that? That was in... uh, the Kindness of Strangers, I believe. Yeah, that was really jarring. I remember 
listening to that in the car on my way home last night, and I was like, what the fuck? Uh, like, like, is that coming a, from outside? Yeah, like a hip-hop song when you hear police sirens. Woo-woo-woo. That's the sound of the police. Yeah, I think, like, you got to pick your shots, your, your like, spots for stuff like that. You can't... Mm-hmm. It loses its effect real quick if you keep doing those little... I don't know, you'd call them audio effects or whatever. I mean, I think that's ultimately what really works for this is that in the same way that the bad seeds always swing for the fences and even when their whiffs are still really good, I think that's how this feels too. Like, I think they were just like, let's just have fun. This person's like new to singing. She's learning. Like, lower stakes, lower the stakes a little bit. Like, you got all of these amazing songs already written for us. Like, let's work on them, reimagine them, put our own spin on it and just like fucking kick back and, you know, chill and like play along you know it's like it'd be like if you and me got to do like a cover album of that comadre record or something you know it's like we already got it written for us we just have to figure out the parts and find out how we can do it differently and interesting what like i I, i'm really glad that this exists because i can't think of like a more interesting band to do this absolutely if you were going to pick like another band to do a nick cave cover album who would you pick I don't know a lot of country music. I would probably choose a folk artist or, you know, you know, you know Paul Cawthon? Yeah. I've, there's a song by him called Holy Ghost Fire that I think is really great. I think maybe if I, if I could like, I, I should ask Mike if he knows any good ones, but I'd probably pick like a country artist. And I mean, I, obviously like, I would just love it if Johnny Cash had a whole record of Nick Cave covers because I love the Mercy Seat cover so much. Maybe a little Orville um, Peck action. He's, his voice is similar to Johnny There you Cash. go. That's, a, that's a, an excellent choice. Um, but I think probably one of those Sergeant House bands, like, uh, like if you mixed like Russian Circles with Chelsea Wolfe, I think that would be really cool. His songs are cool because i could see almost any band covering nick cave and it working it's kind of universal i mean you know as, the as cure would be a cool band to cover nick cave who would the cure yeah i wonder i'm sure they like have ran across each other a bunch i wonder if they like each other uh definitely i mean we've talked about this ad nauseum but like metallica's covered him johnny cash the flaming lips now like a wide gamut of different sounding artists I'd probably pick Frank Ocean. Good choice. That's not outside of the realm of possibility. He puts so, I mean, same as Nick Cave, like so much emotion in his voice. I would just love to hear him sing like the ship song. It would be beautiful. I mean, he did that Moon River song, and I think that that is even better than the original. Yeah, fuck you, Frank Sinatra. Yeah. (laughs) Fuck you, Frank Valley. Oh, Frank, well, whoever did it, I don't know. It sounds like a Frank Sinatra song. Oh, no, I just throwing out like a name similar to Frank Sinatra. Just wanted to say fuck somebody. Yeah, this this is really cool. I, I feel like we were more negative on it than we actually feel because I, I, I really like it. Probably three or four of these songs I'll probably listen to quite often. I probably should have given this uh, stipulation before I started, but... 
I actually purposefully only re- listened to this record once all the way through, and then I went back and listened to a couple other songs so that I would come in more with like a first impression as opposed to like a really fully formed because I kind of feel like I like to experiment with that kind of stuff and see how I react to something over time. That's why I wanted to see what you had to say first because I tend to not immediately gravitate to some of the music we discuss on here from Nick Cave. So I'm glad that you said that you liked it because I honestly did really enjoy listening to it and it wasn't, I want to make sure I reiterate, like I know I kind of like hammered in on some stuff that could have been better, but it's just because like I, I see so much potential for this musician and I think that she is incredible as she is in her current form and it's just going to be really cool to see what she does moving forward. So if anyone from that band or anyone listening hears this and they're like, wow, you're kind of harsh, it's like, it's not about that. Like I'm talking about music that I like that I listened to and I liked and, you know, just because I said I didn't like something about it doesn't mean it's bad and that my opinion means anything, you know? Just talking. And a good a good song selection. I think this is I think it's nine songs from nine different albums. You got mm-hmm. like six or seven kind of the essentials and then the kind of strangers and we know who you are being you know a little more deep cuts. I don't know if Nick Cave really has many deep cuts with how rabid his fan base is, but a, a cool like. What if they did songs. like Jangle and Jack? <laughs> I don't know how that would work with her voice, but <laughs> the Flaming Lips would do something crazy with Jangle and Jack. I, you know, I yeah, I might I retract my statement earlier. I might do a little deep dive on the Flaming Lips and check out some more of their music because I really only know Yoshimi. And I listened to Soft Bolton yesterday and really liked it. So maybe I'll dive in on the discography. Can't wait till you turn into a hippie. I mean, it hadn't ha- happened yet. I don't think it's going to. I. Well, anyone that's get that can't, you know, you, this is audio only right now. So Ian's got these like tie dye glasses he bought recently. So I don't know. I don't know if I buy it. And what is that? Is that a Grateful Dead poster on your wall? I would never. I don't. I don't do the Grateful Dead. Yeah. Well. You answered very quickly, so everybody knows you're lying, and your voice went up a little bit. I, I just want people to know <laughs> that if you can trust one thing, you can trust that Ian is not a hippie. Well, Ian, uh, I'm going to go ahead and take us home. I think we said our piece. All right, well, then take us home, God damn it. Well, I thought, you know, sometimes you got little zingers you want to throw in there, you know? No, thank you, everybody listening. Uh, if this was your first episode, because you're a Flaming Lips person. Snob. I. I'm a snob. Don't call our listeners snob. I will not stand for that. If you know two things about Ian, know that listeners he's not and that he also doesn't tolerate Jake talking Ian down to our audience. Tolerates Jake calling people snobs. You can call people snobs, just not our audience. Listen, the liberal elite is listening, and they know what you're saying, Ian. Okay, they got their PJs, their private jets. So you, you know, they're fourth, they're fourth chair on the board members. Why, why do you do this if you don't like our, our audience? Cause I'm, I gotta play. Somebody's got to be the villain. Don't Man, you remember Dark Knight? I'm well, turning heel. I'm turning heel. I'm, I'm the Underjaker. <laughs> the Underjaker. I jerk people off under the table. Oh, the Underjerker. Underjerker. <laughs> 
Uh, everybody, you can check out. Um, I obviously, I love everybody that's listening. Um, we're just having fun. Not so obvious uh, anymore. Maybe the maybe the jigs up. Maybe the kayfabe has been lifted. You can check us out on Apple Podcasts, Spotify. Um, you can leave us a rating on Apple. That'd be great. We'd love to get five stars from you. Um, leave us a review if you'd like. You can email us at jubileestreetpod at gmail.com. Uh, our Instagram is at jubileestreetpod. In our bio on our Instagram, you can check out all our links to our YouTube, our various podcast streaming services, as well as some little extra goodies. And I think I put Warren Ellis's uh, Animal Sanctuary in the bio there. So if you feel like giving a little bit of money this Christmas season or holiday season and you want to donate to some animal welfare, that's in the bio. So we love you all very much. We love Nell Smith. We love the Flaming Lips. And we love Nick Cave. And thank you for being in violation of policy and jaywalking on down to the podcast. And we're going to have some Christmas stuff coming. So oh, coming for sure. There's a lot of Nick Cave stuff happening. He just put out a song with Warren Ellis for a, a documentary that they're doing the soundtrack Saw that. for. Uh, the documentary sounds awesome, Jake. I don't know if you looked into what it's about, but it's uh, like a wildlife documentary. It sounds really cool. I'm sure we'll probably mm-hmm. give it a watch and cover it because I think it's something we'd both be into. But that might not happen until the new year because we got Christmas stuff planned. So just hold on. We got on a lot of Christmas this. stuff. Have some fun with us in December, and then we'll be back to classic Nick Cave. And a little hint to the listeners. Um when you jaywalk away, you won't hear Ian and Jake say, please, Jubilee Street babies, don't go. Have a good night, everybody. have been buried